Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I'm Neil Zacharias and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Greg Steltenpole, founder of Calafia Farms and plant-based pioneer, passed away on March 11, 2021, at the age of 67. Greg founded Odwala, which was acquired by Coca-Cola in 2001. He also co-founded the Antara Project in 2000, Adina for Life in 2004, and Calafia Farms in 2010. I had the pleasure of meeting Greg for the first time in 2017 when he was a guest on this podcast, episode 15 to be precise. Greg was a visionary, not just because of the successful companies he founded, but because of the way he thought about complex challenges facing our modern food system. He was a pioneer in applying environmental sustainability, employee empowerment, creative corporate culture, and community-based marketing as core drivers of business success. Although my conversation with Greg was recorded four years ago, a lot of what he touched on is still very relevant and groundbreaking even today. There's just so much wisdom in his words that's worth revisiting. Instead of re-releasing the entire episode, here is an edited version with excerpts of Greg talking on various themes. In a way, this episode is really a masterclass led by Greg, and I hope his words inspire us all to think about how we can challenge our own limiting beliefs and the edges of creativity to build a food system that is truly sustainable and equitable. Kick things off, here's Greg Steltenpole talking about why he believes plant-based foods are a solution to our climate crisis. If you look at the amalgam of, um, uh, from a carbon cycle based, uh, from a um, pollutant base, and from a just um, sheer resource requirement base, if we project forward to close to uh, 10 billion people on the planet coming up in this generation, uh, what, you know, what would the planet look like if we just continued on the path we have today? And um, even given the conditions of where uh, rainforest devastation has taken us relative to the lungs of the planet, and then given the fact that uh, climate change is has produced a whole different set of circumstances for us to deal with. Um, we're already in enough of a challenge. So you just can't straight line the kind of um, animal-based consumptive habits as these large middle classes are coming online from, from developing countries. So when, when all that math gets done, you realize that, you know, uh, there has to be some strategic approach and when you know it all comes down to human behavior, uh, people don't like to be told what to eat. They, they like to pick and, and uh, choose from free will. But, um, the, you know, that also brings the onus on the producer. And when you also factor in that people like to eat things that are delicious and that's natural and kind of what our body tells us they want it wants is uh, also a driver so uh, that makes food design and you know um, food appeal uh, an important part of the equation 
So nowadays in, in um, modern commercial environments, whether it's online or brick and mortar, you have to have um, a good brand to be able to communicate with. And so adding all that up, if you want to make change, is how kind of brings you down the pathway to we need to build companies and brands that stand for this, that take it seriously, and um, the consumer can start to trust. So that's that's kind of how I got there. Um, there's sort of a logic tree to it in a way. And just like yourself, um, once you start measuring the impact of food on the whole planet, you realize that it is the most impactful driver on climate change. Um, and because of the system's complexity, uh, it affects pollution, it affects uh, topsoil depletion, uh, and uh, all the other elements that go into it, uh, and even cost of food altogether, just literally on the shelf. So plant-based is kind of a great solution, and it's also simple and easy to understand, pretty much. And it's uh, it's not really, it doesn't have to be an ism, so to speak. I mean, it doesn't have to be a religious uh, um, kind of fanaticism around it. It can be fun, and it can be... Uh, a journey in which people have a place for meat in their diet, but, you know, it's more like a treat. It's on the side of the plate or, you know, it's a condiment rather than being the big center of the plate. Next, Greg describes Calafia Farms as a food and beverage company of the future that is an amalgam of internal and external stakeholders, ranging from employees to customers to supply chain partners, including farmers, that are driven by a common mission? Well, first of all, you know, Calafia is a, a community, and it's really, uh, and when you talk about Calafia, it's an amalgam of stakeholders, you know. So certainly there's um, the executive team and, and managers of the company that uh, really put in a lot of hours and personal effort to, to support the mission. And a lot of them are there, you know, precisely because of the mission. Um, and then there's, you know, the people on the front lines that are working incredibly hard because they believe in it, too. So um, that that's the internal team. But um, we're the kind of uh, company, I guess, that is highly interactive. So we have a lot of uh, exchange points with our um, our support base, our consumers and the people that enjoy the product every day. So. In a way, a lot of what we design, a lot of what we come out with is driven by the enthusiasms of people that already support the brand. And uh, we actually are seeking to, you know, develop a little bit different model of what a company, especially a food company of the future, looks like. So sometimes we say, you know, um, Calfi is a food and beverage company of the future. And the nice thing about that is it, you know, it begs a question like, you know, First of all, what kind of food companies do we need in the future? And what would those look like? And how you know, can we design backward from that a little bit? Um, so that, that's one point of reference. Um, and then the, the company is also, you know, it has lots of other stakeholders like investors and retailers, um, media, um, and, and all the communities that we interact in. So... First, when we we look at the growth of the company and where it can go. Uh, we try to look at it inside that systemic framework of different communities. And that makes it a lot more exciting. And just before we got on, on the podcast here, we were talking a little bit about one of my inspirations is, is this guy named Joseph Boys, who was a conceptual artist uh, in, in the 60s, 70s. And he came up with this idea of social sculpture, which had a big impact on me because I thought uh, when we were doing Odwalla, it captured things I didn't know how to express exactly, but uh, was sort of a process we were involved in. And that is that, you know, nowadays um, economics uh, are an ec economic livelihood from a right livelihood standpoint. In other words, you know, sort of a more hopefully righteous way to do things that that is more holistic for the planet 
uh, is what needs to be done. But how do you do that in a creative way, not a pedantic, you know, authoritarian type way? So that's part of the art of it. And I think fun um, and exuberance is an important part of that in the brands that uh, need to lead the way. Um, but also just deepening the quality of thinking around supply chains because that's a sounds like a dry word but it's the farms and it's how it gets from the farm and it's um, what kind of life does the farmer have and uh, what kind of conditions are we creating uh, for those farmers and that's where things like fair trade and ideas I was trying to do back in the Adena days come into play um, and I, I think when you do environmental impact uh, reports or studies for food companies, it there's certain aspects that's sort of the ABCs of it. And yeah, you want to get trucks that have a clean, you know, like clean fuels. You you want to take care of solid waste. You want to have recyclable components of your packaging. But at the end of the day, it's, there's an 80-20 rule that's kicking in. And you really have to look at the farms and uh, the land that's supporting you know, the growing of the food. And that's where the really big impact comes. And that's where the win-win-win part of plant-based thinking comes in because you're, you're not cutting down rainforest to create grazing land for more cattle. Um, you're, you, are, you do have the opportunity to have a, a kind of lighter footprint on the get-go because the plant protein and so on is going directly to um, the human uh, without an intermediary, an expensive intermediary <laughs> kind of is a way to think about it. And then you've got um, just the uh, um, the higher efficiencies of providing um, the nutrients that um, are more directly related to micronutrition, which uh, plants uniquely provide. So that's like anti-inflammatory compounds that might be in turmeric, for example, um, or things that can provide energy, uh, more holistic forms of energy like maca, um, or uh, antioxidants like um, matcha tea and so on. So those are all ways in which you can provide micronutrient density as well as uh, further developing uh, things like healthy fats and uh, more and plant-based protein. Here's Greg sharing his thoughts on design as it applies to Calafia's product packaging. Uh, well, from being kind of a, uh, well, first having a little bit of a music background and then uh, hanging out with artists and stuff when I was younger and kind of being a fanboy of the whole art movement and so on. I, you know, you just, you start to develop a little bit of eye and, and um, for, for clean design and, and, um, and just, you know, you want beauty in your life basically and, uh, in, and innovation and fresh, you know, things that look fresh. Um, the sort of inner uh, story behind the shape of the bottle is, is a little more, um, slightly more esoteric, but I think, you know, first to hit on is the practical notion that if you're a small company, you need to stand out and you need to have practically everything you do actually make a difference, like, because you don't have big marketing budgets and you need to leverage, like, everything from the name all the way through, obviously, to the package itself and how you say things. So that I knew going into it that we had to do that. Uh, we couldn't just be a me too because we weren't first, you know. And so if you're not first, you have to be better. And the ways you're better, you can be better with the product, which we, we had an angle on how we were going to do that. But I felt like we needed a package that just said something totally different. And also, I just felt like there was this age wave coming. So we started the company back in, in 2010, and, you know, I, I, I already always lived in neighborhoods where more millennials, you know, uh, were, were going to in creative neighborhoods. So, you know, I could, I could feel that the market didn't reflect, you know, 
where that generation and the impact it wanted to make too. So I felt like making more naturally resonant products for the upcoming generations would give us an advantage. And the product itself was probably going to appeal more to them than uh, older generation. So there, there was sort of an imperative to do it just because um, you got to be different. And, um, but then uh, the, the more personal thing is I, I just felt like um, bottles or, you know, especially on a multi-serve and container of a certain scale, um, cla- there's, a, there's a classicism that the eye just naturally like a, goes to. So I felt like, you know, I looked at things around there and I knew that industrial designers for the bigger companies were looking at things like pack-out efficiency and, you know, cubing and, you know, pallet height and all this stuff. And so I had to take those things into consideration as some constraint, but also because we had the liberty of being a sort of upstart, you know, thing. We could accept certain you know, inefficiencies or maybe, you know, things that they wouldn't totally optimize and put beauty a little bit forward. So the shape, you know, um, I really looked at the mathematics of, you know, and, and when you when you go back to that sort of uh, golden mean and proportions like that, you find that all these older cultures were using that. So, you know, Greek amphoras or the Ming, uh, you know, dynasty vases. Yeah. I mean, there are different cultures at different times in history sort of fell into those proportions. So we we had to account for refrigerator heights and, you know, shelf, <laughs> shelf height limits and all that, but generally tried to get it all to, to look really nice and appealing to the eye and also the tactile nature of it. So we did a bunch of little subtle things that have to do with how the how the cap fits and feels in your hand, how easy it is to get off, and all, all those little things. Next, Greg gets into his thoughts on building an impactful brand and a company culture that supports it. Well, you know, this word came out, you know, that's become kind of popular, and, and like 10 years ago, nobody heard of it, but meme, so like memeism, you know, brands now kind of have to be thought through from that level. There's there was an older classicism to to brand, you know, development in packaged goods, and you know there was there's a lot of structure to that. And I I'm a little bit weird about it, and that I think it's a brand. You know, you occupy a kind of mind space, and um, but that mind space is fluid. And it, it's more like a conversation. So it used to be based on first the name and what the name stood for, but then, then it became a mark, you know, like and Nike really took that all the way. Um, and if you're not a brick and mortar type company, so you, you, you can have products online, you can have products, you know, in media format uh, and content itself now is a really important product for any brand. Um, so I think it's, um, it's super exciting because in a way, brands are becoming more conceptual. Um, and Personalities almost. Or, yeah, and, and when you think about people as brands and how that, the evolution of that and, and pop culture now, um, it's also super sophisticated. So at the end of the day, as people become more and more adept at manipulating all those things, I think the biggest power to, to the brand is how, how deep and legit is the you know, authenticity of what you're talking about. So how, how far does it really go down to, to things like impact? And, and that's where we're, you know, certainly Calfia is an aspirational company because if you want to be a player in the food industry, it's... It's not, it makes an impact, you know, so you're going to have an impact no matter what. And you, you know, it's about continuous improvement more than perfection at any one moment. And that's about building a culture that cares about it uh, and, and is examining it down all the different routes that it takes inside uh, the decision making, you know, uh, of the company. We then get into the future of the plant-based foods industry and food culture overall. 
Well, what's, what's really cool is that uh, it's really becoming an industry. So there's even a plant-based food association now, uh, which is trying to defend itself a little bit against, um, you know, some of the backlash from, from the organized dairy industry. And I think um, that's, it's, it's kind of growing, the movement is growing up. So that, that's exciting. Um, I think big food companies are looking at ways they can um, switch over part of their portfolios or get in, get in the game. So that always drives um, awareness. Um, and that's exciting. I think the um, actually the uh, retailer environment in terms of uh, quick serve uh, foods. So uh, companies like Tender Greens and um, Sweet Greens and so on are just making easier access to nice, healthy, um, plant-based, uh, at least midday meals um, in urban environments and and some suburban ones as well. So. I think people are realizing through all that there's kind of this uh, also recipe and creative awareness about all the different ways you can creatively make stuff taste great and not just have meat do that for you. Um, and then I think, you know, just like at, at Calfia, and I know it's happening in other companies, but R&D into transforming the whole dairy case because we look at, okay, we have milk and we have creamers and you know what's next as you extend into different form you know densities you know so you can have spreadables and then you can have uh, creams and then you can have um, you know cuttable cheeses and um, probiotic foods and all that so i think um, i think the nexus between not just plant-based but also better nutrient delivery um, is a really super exciting area and I'm a big fan of these micronutrient things and and products that have multi-purposes uh, like matcha and maca and uh, turmeric and um, I love coconut oil is in moderation is a is a great part of a diet and then on top of all that I think is just an ethical dimension that um, you know this is where young I, I know in particular it's spearheaded by young women of certain demographic ages really care about animals and um, you know factory farming in the sense that using animals as part of an industrial hook you know like just masses of animals and hooking them up to machines and just having them basically be imprisoned there um, doesn't appeal uh, to a lot of young people and they dig into the details and they want answers and uh, you know and they also make their their own choices they're they're not as conditioned by you know a lifetime of habitual food choices so that's a big part of what I have a lot of optimism on this age wave that I'm talking about that's coming it's not just millennials but the pre-millennials or Gen Z whatever yeah. you know, <laughs> latest name <laughs> we have but that gives me a lot of hope about how the food system will just change because it has to finally greg shares his thoughts on what the food system will look like in the year 2050. well you know our brand the name calfia came from this legend of queen calfia and um, queen calfia uh, is, is was a uh, amazonian queen that in the eyes of the Spaniards, ruled over this land that we now call California. And um, it was, a, in, in that original story, it was kind of an idyllic place where there was this cornucopia of abundance. And, uh, and in fact, in the very early days of California, it was like the citrus industry, you know, and the first fresh fruit and getting fresh vitamin C to people on the East Coast and on ships in, in the port of San Francisco into the the, all the prospectors, that was a micronutrient delivery system, which was, you know, deliver fresh vitamin C to people in, in a way that could withstand the, the shipping. So California, the romance and the idea of an incredibly abundant and rich place, which had um, really intensified farming, uh, bio-intensive farming, is the kind of, I call it uh, 
Queen Calafia was the once and future queen. So, you know, the, it was mythological back then, um, but there were probably societies that really did have um, that kind of uh, lifestyle. Um, but I think first you have to have that vision that it is possible. So I love your question, and um, the idea to go 20, 25 years from now is a period of time in which real change can happen. Um, so first, I think we'll have a food system that's based more on what I call whole food ingredients rather than the last 100 years where we figured out how to break everything down into these functional molecules that we could all add back together, and supposedly that was going to be better, right? But... The human body evolved over, you know, um, in a way, millions of years that um, these biological systems were based on the real ingredients that were around in the food that we could find on the planet. And that food wasn't processed. So the rise of a lot of diseases on every continent can be traced to processed food. And processed food has, uh, of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly too. So the very worst of it are these, you know, things like trans fats and things like heavily processed sugars, which are a subset of, um, you know, processed carbohydrates, simplified carbohydrates. And just cleaning up, you know, those unhealthy fats and going to a, a lower processed carbohydrate diet that is generally plant-centric just, you know, would be completely transformative for the planet. And the great thing is the personal health benefit and the overall collective environmental health are, you know, that is a great Zen diagram <laughs> or Venn diagram yeah. uh, that has a bit of Zen to it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so that's, you know, I think the combination of cultural shift, um, young brands and, and dynamic brands that stay true to course, and and then um, this this kind of imperative that will start to become come out of both the food company's survival and also the environmental imperative will just give us a much more um, connected system. And there's one vision that I have that's kind is a little bit technical, but you know I'm a I'm a fan of the possibilities for blockchain. And, um, you know, a lot of people have heard about blockchain via, you know, all these cryptocurrencies uh, like Bitcoin and so on. But um, there's a ton of exciting work going on, which links food supply chains all the way back to the source via, you know, having a encoded blockchain type stamp on each transaction along the supply chain. And what that does allow, for example, a company like Calfia can trace all the way back to a single small grower, and we can either connect to that grower or reward that grower or provide you know, some kind of benefit back, um, and also to the consumer. And this is where I think it gets really revolutionary. Is As an entrepreneur, I've always been frustrated that other than e-commerce, you, you know, you'd have no connection to people who are incredibly faithful to your brands like you. <laughs> and if I had a way of rewarding your family or household in a particular way before all the loyalty that you showed, um, it would be really cool. We, you know, we'd have much more of a virtuous circle. And I think there's blockchain in a way starts to close this loop and also could connect you all the way back to the individual farmer who was growing the coffee that you were drinking and in a really organic way, you know, not, not a contrived way. Um, and we could look at it at any different level or aggregation. So I, I think there's just some technology involved in, in the shift. And I think Amazon alone will drive uh, kind of the collapsing of the distribution chain to more, more efficiencies. Uh, which is environmentally good and positive. Because right now, if you order all this stuff online, it comes with this huge amount of packaging. So I think environmental packaging has a long way to go. Um, and that, uh, you know, we have a, a way to just not think about health as something that allows us to live longer, but this whole idea of optimality and, and true thriving, you know, just feeling great, which 
gives people the energy to make the extra changes.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.